All right, welcome to the Teaching a Rockstar podcast, and on this episode, we have Arts Alive, some of my very favorite educators that I've been around, talked to, seen, teach. They are amazing. We have some of the crew here. We have Tina. She's the founder. Anise is with us. Julia is with us. And listen, Arts Alive, they have been in schools, working with kids, doing professional development programs for teachers, I want to say... Man, but what, like 25, something like that? 25 years, I, I want to say. And and with kids, what they do is they blend this whole, all these arts of drama and dance, of movement, all the expressive arts into these programs where they have themes and they're educating kids on a deep level. What they do is absolutely amazing. I can't wait for you guys to meet them. Here we go. And you know what? I got to tell you, they do so much more than that. And I'm going to I'm going to start this episode by letting them <laughs> explain to you better what they do than what I just did right there. Here we go. Teaching a Rockstar podcast, Arts Alive. Let's do this. Arts Alive. Oh my gosh, Tina, let me ask you real quick. Can you uh, the last time that we recorded, we were in our Pajamas are yes. lounging. Long time ago. Yeah. How many years ago was that? Six? Maybe? I don't know. I was thinking. I think yeah. it was six. Yeah. All right. We could look it up. No. Nah. Because when you Google my name, it pops up immediately. That's, that's like it. the that's first it. thing. Yeah. Claim to fame, baby. <laughs> All right. All right. So here we have it. We have Julia, we have Anissa, and Tina, the Arts Alive, some of the Arts Alive crew. Not not everyone. No, no one's gonna look at it. No one's gonna. People might be watching. Yeah, they just don't watch. We have our shirts on. I know, but we have thousands <laughs> of listeners, a handful of watchers. All right, well, but okay. you know what? But the reason I do it is because when they Google one of your names, you know what's gonna come up? Me. This. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, man, if I could, um, here's what here's what I want to do. If if you could describe to me what Arts Alive is. The program, the culture, the fam, all of it. But here's how I want to go down. Is everybody, you'll, you'll say a sentence. I was going to say that. I know. I was thinking that. All right, then you describe it. No, but I meant. Yeah. So you say a sentence, and then at the end of your sentence, we'll know you're done because you're going to go, and. Right. And then you throw in your two cents, and you throw in your 35 cents. <laughs> I only <All> get right. <laughs> two. Tia how would you start off by describing the whole Arts Alive thing that you guys have going on? Arts Live is an amazing program that features creative movement, music, and yoga curriculums. And we take our curriculum out into schools and teach at over 30, almost 40 schools across Houston with about 10 teachers, infants through grade school. And I call us rock stars. And... (laughs) And they do all of this with an incredible philosophy that uh, prioritizes joy as a tool to educate the best way possible. And my own experience, I think I've said this before, is all I know was my kid came to the car after his Arts Alive experience he was happy. He was dripping with sweat. He couldn't wait to show me a, a little sticker. Stinky. <laughs> a little. And and he couldn't wait to tell me what happened that day. Which is like as a parent, man, that's all I care about. I mean, if he learned and he was happy and sweaty and stinky, that's a that's a big day for a kid. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of fun. I could tell. Yeah. Yes. And we love what we do. 
How did it all start? Like taking it back to the very, like the first, like you're sitting there, you have a napkin and a pen and you're putting ideas down. Well, when I was three, (laughs) (laughs) when I was older, um, I was in graduate school at UT Austin and I was working on my thesis, which then was all about a production that I had, uh, that I did at UT. And I kept thinking, nobody's ever going to read my thesis, and I couldn't do it, and I couldn't do it, and I couldn't do it. And then finally, I just, a light bulb went off, and I was like, oh, well, I love my creative drama classes, and I love teaching dance. And so I decided to write about teaching dance and movement through creative drama. And eventually, um, I wrote a thesis, and then one day, I was like, I can make this my life work. And so I put everything that was in my thesis um, into uh, play and went to a school here in um, Houston, my uh, our very first school where we had Arts Alive, although it wasn't called Arts Alive yet. And I said, can I try this curriculum out um, while I'm being a substitute teacher for the summer? And I did, and the rest is history. That was in 1994, 25 years ago. 25 years. You've been around a long time. I have. All right, that first school, which, what, what school was it? St. Mark's in the Heights. There's a couple St. Mark's, but this is the one that's on Pecor in the Heights. Yeah. And that first thing that you were doing, was it obvious to was it was it obvious like right away that you're on to something and this is going to work? It already uh, it already was before that because I tried it out, you know, through my thesis and just my my little guinea pig class that I was teaching um, and also when I was teaching dance in Houston, uh, in Austin, and all the kids were so excited about my classes all the time. And I had a lot of boys in my cla- my dance classes, and none of the other teachers had, I mean, they had some, but not like I did. And they just were always excited to come to class and um, teaching through theme and teaching through creative drama uh, just seemed like the key. And me wearing fun things, and instead of, you know, at that time... Um, learning how to uh, go up on your the balls of your feet um, in a releve because I was teaching ballet. Um, we were circus performers and we were walking the tightrope, and so everything just kind of fell together and and became what eventually was Arts Alive. Do you, Do you think that was one of the big deals for um, the boys feeling successful and attracted to your class in particular was the fact that instead of calling it ballet, you were calling it tightrope and circus and Oh, absolutely, yes, yeah. yeah. And then what age is that? At the time, um, that was uh, mostly two to five-year-olds, all preschoolers. And how crazy, like a five-year-old boy already has been conditioned in his mind that he's supposed to do tightrope but not ballet. <laughs> you know? Yes. It's kind of sad. Yes, yes. And also not use the pink scarf because, God forbid, Yeah. you know, pink is not for boys, so they would... Luckily, when we were clowns and they could use any scarf and then learn that it's all scarves for everybody, all colors for everybody. Sure. And then what, at what point did you, were, were you when you started hiring people to join in? Um, the sec- it was the second year. Uh, I was spreading myself a little too thin, teaching at many schools, doing workshops. Um, and I met Wendy Hart, who is now our chief of operations. 
And at the time she was teaching at a school and I needed help um, doing birthday parties on the weekends and just said, hey, want to come play with me on the weekends? And so she started um, before when we used to do birthday parties. Uh, she started doing parties with me, and immediately when I met her, I knew someday she's going to run my company for me. It was just an immediate. The first time that we ever did something together, and we have pictures of this, uh, uh, it was a party, um, Remarkable Reptiles and Amazing Amphibians, and it was like we had been doing it together forever. It was just amazing. Now I know that um, not it's not just Wendy, but you have other employees been around forever, and like you know now Nisa's she's like in her sixties, and she yeah. like <laughs> she has I been uh, she's been on the team for a long time. I just, just celebrated my twentieth anniversary in December, so I came on four years in, mm-hmm. and you're I, two years past Wendy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been working in HISD and was miserable, sadly, and just felt a loss and somebody had found Tina's company online and said, you should give her a call. I went to a class by the end of the class. She had me up and teaching with her and hired me that day. And that was another one. It just, it just felt natural and it was amazing. What were you doing at HIST? I was an art teacher in a uh, junior high school and I had about 35 kids in a classroom with maybe 20 chairs with two pieces of paper i had paper and crayons and <laughs> that was the whole art supply yep and yeah. breaking up fights in the classroom and so when i left hisd i was just you know heartbroken i'd gone to school for years and just great now i failed and i'm supposed to be a teacher like two months later i met tina and that was it i just i found my place i found my talent tina do do you remember the first time you guys met Oh, yes. yes. Now, um, tell me your first impression. Fun. And I could just tell Anissa was fun. I could tell that she was, uh, you know, the whole situation about, just like she said, coming from HISD and kind of feeling like a, a failure a little bit. I mean, that was a little cloud over her head still as far as... Um, you know, which direction should she go? And I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm sure in our interview, we both cried because we cry every <laughs> we time. We do that. Yes, we cry a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just remember um, me thinking, well, you're here for a purpose. You, you know, you needed to quit HISD to be moving in, moving together with us, Arts Alive. Now, now, when you quit HISD, did, did, did you have a plan or you just knew you couldn't do that? I didn't have a plan. I was just, yeah, it was like November. It was and, one, only one semester. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I was, you know, finding myself just driving home crying every day and feeling such a loss and I can't do this. And I remember going into teaching thinking, when I get burnt out, then I'll find another path. And I was like, great. I've been here three months. <laughs> so yeah, and so you and then you met Tina, and when you're sitting at that interview, were you thinking, okay, cool, let's spend the next twenty years together? I didn't think it that day, but I remember the moment that I did. I, I distinctly remember it was the next summer that I I just like this is it. I'm I'm done. I'm in for good. I scared off a couple of employees over the years with that uh, energy that I had about all in. 
But I remember what I wore the first time I saw you. I remember that moment of she's she's asking me to teach. I have to I have to get up and play with kids, and it just never thought twice about it. We're natural. Thank you. And and her mama sent me a thank you note. Her mama did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's strong. It, it was just such a change in my life. Like I went from that dark cloud over me to I get paid to play with kids, and it I'm and I felt. Like I was changing lives when I walked into a classroom. Man, this is so important. And I, yeah, this is the hardest thing, I think, for a lot of educators is this concept of self-awareness and what's right for you. Because what has happened to lots of people and could have easily happened to you if no one showed you the notice or you didn't get the word, you guys <clears throat> never met, you could right now be living a miserable life, Ugh. working in some cubicle data entry gig, and the whole time you'd been thinking, I was a miserable teacher. I, I think that all the time. Like, what kind of miserable schlub would I be had I not found Arts Alive? Had Idy not said, look, this yeah. is... Because uh, her friend had seen my ads yeah, somewhere, well, I don't we remember. Gr- a friend of mine and I graduated together. She decided she wasn't going to teach. And so, right. you know, she months later, art. she's like, well, I came across this company when I was looking into art-related fields and called Tina. She invited me to a class. I showed up in clogs and a long dress didn't know i was going to be jumping around but i did it and what and for you was was that transition hard to make from you know the the 12 year old boy art room to the nope. two-year-old it was as if <laughs> yeah I, it was just natural i i jumped in and just started swimming i never never looked back yeah i mean it, it just felt like i was meant to do it yeah you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that, um, you know, it's a teacher that's really struggling and just miserable, and he or she finds out eventually after years, they just have the wrong age, or they have the wrong content, or they have the wrong kind of kid. Like, maybe they really are great with lower socioeconomic kids like I was, yeah. and but they're stuck in some, you know, upper middle class suburban school, and they just don't, they can't identify. They don't, they don't make sense with that. You know, with with those kinds of parents that are demanding and and expect their kid to be, you know, first chair in clarinet section and student council and in honors, whatever, it just doesn't make sense. And so it's hard for them to understand. And they finally show up and they have the right principal, the right school, the right age, the right content, and everything just kind of falls into place, which it sounds like kind of what... Exactly. I remember trying to choose when I go teach, what age should I have? And I talked to friends and people and... Several people said when I was in junior high, that's when I really felt connected to a teacher. So I'm like, that's what I'm going to go for. I'm going to, I'm going to, my goal is to make an impact, to, to touch children, to touch those lives. And when I got there, it was, it just felt flat. I was like, but I never thought I wanted to do preschool because I didn't want to babysit. I didn't want to change diapers. You know, it's like, I'm great with all my nieces and nephews. I want to be a mom, all those things, but not in the classroom. And so Finding Arts Alive, where I get to play, I get to impact lives. I'm with the age group that I was obviously meant to be. And I we still don't love. have to change diapers. We don't. <laughs> but we get to come in. We're like the fun aunt yeah. that comes over and plays. And then we're like, see ya. I'm out of here. <laughs> but I still love that junior high age group. We have a one of our schools that has a little bit older population that I'm teaching my yoga class to. And it's a challenging age for some people, but yeah. I still have a place in my heart. You said that you had a teacher in junior high that you connected with for the first time. Who was that? No, actually, it was a friend of mine who told me that story. Oh. But I remember my teacher in junior high. Who was it? Miss Hall. What if Miss Hall? <laughs> yeah. Ms. What Hall. about Miss Hall? 
she was the gym teacher. She was the homeroom teacher, you know, back to, it was a Catholic school. We had, you know, maybe two classes and they did everything, gym, social studies, history. And I just remember her being real. You know, she was just somebody real and didn't, I felt comfortable with her and just remember connecting. Yeah, yeah man. I, I think back then, even when like we were in school, cause you know, we, it, that was such a rare find, you know, nowadays, lots of teachers have finally figured that out and they're down with that idea. Where they, what was like, the rare find? The real teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, where like nowadays, like, I feel like a lot, it's coming. It finally, there's this wave of truly being authentic and sharing your life and just being exactly who you really are in front of your kids. But back then, it was a lot of shut up and sit out. Yes. <laughs> you know? Especially in Catholic school where yes. I was too. Yeah. And so, and so Miss Hall, is she still <clears throat> teaching? I don't know. I think I remember hearing that she was and then retired, but yeah, I, I've lost touch, unfortunately. My, my Miss Hall was Mr. Saracen in fifth grade and he was the, one of the first teachers who really, let everybody fly as far as like when once a month we would have we would go into the little chapel and our homeroom would have a a special mass and he would let us like pick a theme for the mass and the one that I remember was it was um like jungle or something I don't know there was something with animals and I brought like all my stuffed animals (laughs) and we had them on the altar and maybe it was about animals and he he was the art teacher as well. He was just amazing, and you know, a real art teacher, not just copy and paste kind right. of thing. And Arts and I'm crafts still teacher. in touch with him. Really, right. is he still doing it? No, He's he retired? is retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, but I see him when I go home to Escanaba, Michigan. Is he still up there? He's still there. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yes. Like I always wonder. <sighs> I, I think they that because they have those same memories too. I'm hoping that teachers really understand like just the crystal clear memories that kids have. Like you can still picture the altar and the animals and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a vivid image, you know, imprinted on your mind. And I don't, I don't have a picture of it. It's, it is just in my mind. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing, mm-hmm. Julia. Who was it for you? I was just trying to think of that. Um, I, my best teacher ever was actually in college and she was, um, a performance artist named Elia Arce and, um, it, great name. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, her, her class really changed my whole life. It was the first time she put me in front of the class to lead a project and I had no idea I was a leader until that moment. That was the first time I'd ever led a group. And now I, I do that in many capacities in my life. So, um, it, it took a while for me to find someone, but she, she really, uh, unleashed so much of my potential by just encouragement and, um, a very keen eye. I think, I think she really paid attention to everyone in her class and looked for their strengths and looked for how to nurture them. Yeah. You know, I, I love that that whole looking for the strengths yes. thing. And, oh, God, I'm such a huge fan of that. You know, a lot of times in education, it's always about tutoring and reteaching and trying to get this kid, trying to focus on the weaknesses so we can get that kid in that area up to barely average. 
And here's the sad part. Like when we're working with kids and we, and we're spotting, cause a lot of this has to do with standardized tests. And so here's what we do. We take a kid out of PE, take a kid out mm-hmm. of art, take a kid out of dance, take a kid out of all that, all the stuff that they excel at, all the kinics that they love, all the kinesthetic stuff that they love and they feel successful at. And we tutor that kid in math. I'm not saying math is, but for this kid, his brain just isn't wired that way. And here's what happens with that kid, man, is we get this kid, um, uh, we work so hard and work so hard and the scores come in and he's got a 71. So we do, we pull him out of class, we get in a semicircle and we cheer cause he got a 71 and he works so hard at something he he's miserable when he's doing, but now this kid is now conditioned and imprinted to lead to, to be celebrated for living a life where he can do something that's miserable and feel average at best at it. And that's, wow. and that's called like a typical job, which is a mm. lot, like a lot of people have those, mm. right? Where they, they don't, they're not passionate about the work. They just show up every day and they're average at an average job rather than finding those strengths and what people excel at and what they're passionate about and nurturing and feeding that so they can go on and live this life of just following that passion and figure out a way to get paid at that. Um, I want to give a shout out, although not living anymore. Um, Peter Adamini, my drama teacher in high school, exactly that. I, you know, wanted to be the one that was in the shows, but I always didn't get cast. And so I was the choreographer and the assistant director, which I loved, but still I wanted to be on stage more. But he saw the potential in me to be the leader, to be the person that's, you know, teaching the dances and um, being in charge of everything um, during the show. And not that I was a stage manager, but the assistant director helping him. And I always think about him and thank him for not casting me, (laughs) you know, because he saw the potential in what I could do. And I love that. Julia, I'm curious, when you think back in um, elementary school, Junior high, high school. Were you successful as a student? Did you feel like you're excelling and were loved it and felt significant? Uh, that's a that's a great question. I um, I was a smart young girl with ADHD, and the way school worked for me um, before before college was that I could pretty much skate by easily in everything. So through, I wish I would have known, I wish I would have known so hard that I could have loved things in school and excelled in them. But the way I went through school was like, oh, I'm just going to do the bare minimum to get it all done because I don't care about any of this. And then I'll have time to do stuff I love outside of it. But then when I got into college, it, I realized that I could dive in to things I loved and use the educational resources to make them huge and exciting. And, uh, oh, man, if I would have known that as a kid, I don't know where I'd be. <laughs> now, I always look back at, like, high school and junior high, even college, and I think I had no business going to high school until I was, like, 35. Like, <laughs> like I felt like that's where I was at a point where I could really go back and take advantage of everything that was going on. And college, see, you describe, like, your description of high school, that was me for college. I'm, I just got to get out of here, man. Like, you know... I can remember, like, you know, when I went into college, there was, like, this entrance exam for to put what math you're in. I just needed one math as an education music major. So I'm like, hold on. This test is going to predict which math. I just have to do one. 
Oh, well, give me that thing. I'm done. There you go. <laughs> that way I get the lowest one. Just get me out of here, man. You know, because I want the degree so I can go oh, and wow, do my I thing. And like I didn't, but now looking back and I have a daughter going to college, it's like, man, just immerse yourself in that experience. This is your only opportunity ever where your whole job is to learn and experience and like say yes to everything that everybody has. Like, go do that. I just wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you were? Did you, did you have it figured out where like you, like you were really there to learn or were you just? Um, all through school, uh, elementary school. Yes, I was there to learn. And then I discovered boys. <laughs> and then I was not there to it learn. It all goes downhill. Anymore. <laughs> the story always takes a turn. Yes. And then there was freshman, a boy. Freshman year of high school, I got my first C. Because I sat uh, behind this cute boy in algebra, and all I could think about was him. <laughs> so I got a C. But yeah, I um, uh, high school. Um, I loved what I loved. Uh, you know, just in the in the theater all the time. Um, everything else was kind of okay. Um, and then college, uh, I started out uh, as an education major. I wanted to teach kindergarten my first semester. And all my friends were in the theater, you know, all the friends that I met in college. And they were like, you're so going to be a theater major. And it only took me one semester. And then I was. And and I loved all that. I, I definitely loved my theater classes. Um, and the others were okay. But I, I was very different in high school and college than I was in kindergarten through <laughs> through eighth grade. I was, you know the person that stayed after school, the kid that stayed after school, I was, you know, helping write on the board. I was there all the time and loved it. It's like that stereotypical future teacher. You know, that's the kid that's writing on the board and holding class in their bedroom and yes. all that stuff. <laughs> yes, teaching my little an- stuffed animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it, was that true for you, Anissa, when, when you were growing up? Like, did you always know there's going to be a teacher? Yes. Um, it was interesting when I got out of high school and had the college opportunity. I'm like, well, no, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm not just going to go get my teaching degree because it just seemed, oh, that's just what you should do. Just make that decision and go do it. It's like, well, what if I'm called for something else? And it was, my dad's like, well, just get your teaching degree. I'm like, I don't want to just get anything. I don't want to just do this. And so I just took my basics and just I just did my basics <laughs> and it wouldn't let go. Yeah. Like, fine. That's what I'm called to do. Cause I was like, that's what we played when we were kids. Mm-hmm. I was a teacher. Yeah. And then, but in school, like you were, you were, you were successful as a student. I, I was average. Yeah. I was very shy as a child, so I did my best to fly under the radar. That all happened to you since then. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. I made a choice. In high school, I was so shy that it was just uh, stifling. So I took a drama class and Yay, speech. Drama. Yeah, and speech class. I never did theater, but, you know, in class, it, like, helped me get out of my uh, shell. And same thing in college, just, you know, doing my best to work on that. And it wasn't until... I found Arts Alive that I found, like, this is it. I never really felt like I had a pure talent for anything until 
I did Arts Alive. That's I such a cool good. thing that you learned yeah. as a kid, man. Like that whole thing of doing really hard, uncomfortable stuff. Like that's the, man, I can't even tell you how many times I've said that in room full of teenagers. It's like that helping them. I mean, I don't know if I was ever successful, but hoping that they would learn that, man, when you seek a life of comfort right now and you stay right, right where you are. And in your case, you're stifled and stay subdued and muted. If you, that with that comfort that you're experiencing right now will lead to a lifetime of discomfort. Yes. If you seek that discomfort right now, go do hard stuff that leads to a life of absolute comfort, but it's hard for a kid to learn that. But like, but somehow you figured that out. I was tired of it. Uh, I was tired of being shy. Yeah. It, I felt always in the background. It's like, I want to be like her. There was a girl in my class. Her name was Ray. She was just fun. <laughs> everybody liked her. She was friends with everybody. Teacher asked a question. Her hand was up. I'm like, I know the answer too. But I'm not raising my hand. But I wanted it. Wow. I, so I just, I worked at it. There's some, there some show I remember. I, don't, I can't remember the name of the show, but it was a, a really shy girl. I think she was in high school. And her mom, she comes home from school and her mom says, well, how'd it go to She goes, I got sat on again today. Because she was so, on. so, so, so shy. No one even knew she was there. Somebody sat on her. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. You're sitting there. Oh, <laughs> it's so like sad. I sat on yeah. again yeah. today. <laughs> I know. But that, like, I think if for high school, like, that's the most painful. Like, that's the biggest fear that people have is being insignificant and yeah. somehow getting embarrassed and being humiliated in front of everybody. But what I love, man, is, is that there's a kid that takes a risk and says, all right, I'm doing it. I did it. Yeah. I'll say a thing. Um, I love how um, how this conversation is going because I'm I'm noticing how we we started and how um, in hearing Tina's story we really noticed that she did look at what she loved and her passions and it didn't quite fit into all the way everything worked. So she came and created this beautiful, wonderful thing that helps all these people. And that is her, is her passion. And she's able to like really bloom and inspire all of us in ways to bloom. Um, so, uh, the business, the ad administrative part all reflects that, uh, philosophy that is so present in what we do with the kids because the kids, um, we, we, we honor their spirit and, um, tap into what they love to do, uh, the movement, uh, and we slip in all of these important tasks that, that do all this really powerful, um, laying a foundation for them to read and to move. So we're using the joy to, uh, to teach them the best way possible. And I think, I, I went to school for arts administration. I've, I've hung out with lots of people who do nonprofits and lots of teachers. And there is just this thought of like, it's hard. And, and, it, and there's lots of reasons you, you don't get paid. There's all these stories about even nonprofit work or any type of like helping people, serving people is hard, it's hard, it's hard. But tapping into the joy ourselves as educators and leaders and administrators that does the job so much better, whether it's teaching or whether it's reaching a lot of people through a business. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear you encouraging all these teachers to embrace the things that they love instead of, um, instead of falling into that thing that we did learn in school so much, struggle work on the hard stuff. I just was, uh, the, I told, I told you how the, um, the guest speaker at Garden Oaks Montessori for the middle schoolers, um, 
talking about Arts Alive and talking about my business. And there were other um, business owners there. It was business owner day, um, career day. And that was exactly what I started with. What what do you love? Find what you love. Find what you think is fun. What do you what do you find joy in and do that? And I, I gave them, I asked them, you know, what do you find joy in right now? So that we could talk about those things that, so they could see that it, it, they don't have to be stuck in a cubicle. I know there are people that love their cubicles, their cubicles. Yes. And nobody, nobody raised No, hands. a few of them did. <laughs> Some people thrive in that yes, environment. Yes, there's nothing exactly. wrong with that, There's man. nothing wrong with that. Yes. But I just want people to know there's something else. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time I went to Lily's open house for elementary school, and I know it sounds crazy to, to most parents. But I sat in the, her little room on those little tiny chairs, which I love because it fits really well with my stature. <laughs> and I'm looking where all these kids are practicing their printing. And they have these, you know, that big chief style of tablet paper. Mm-hmm. And it's laminated. And each kid wrote what the, why they want to be successful in school. And every, it was to get a good job, get a good job, to go to college and get a good job, to get a good job. But I'm just so... First of all, I get it. They don't even know what that means, right. honestly. So I understand that. But it's that planting of that seed. And what I really want are for kids to you know, have this teacher who's accepted the honor and privilege of standing before them every day and in, in modeling what passion looks like for whatever that is. If, if, they, if it's social studies, fine. If they're teaching social studies, but they're not really passionate about that, but they're passionate about, you know, breeding pugs. <laughs> Let's talk about pug breeding, you know, and breeding but, pugs. <laughs> well, I, I just have a te- I just talked to a teacher. That's her thing. Okay. <laughs> she has, like, where did that come there, from? She has a side hustle where she has like these really fancy pugs. And anyway, so like, I don't care just so they can see what passion looks like, because that's all I really want. Because right now in this in, in, a, in, in this time to grow up, there's no better time ever in the history of the universe where a kid can grow up and make a living by making a difference in the lives of other people using what they're mostly they're most passionate about. Like you know, just think about back how hard it was when you started your gig. You were, you had to write things on paper and had to make copies. <laughs> And copy and paste really was making copy and cutting things out and pasting and copying again. Phone calls. Well, what, I, I don't even know calls. what that is. No, but I mean, it, if we go back to when I first started trying to, you know, put lesson plans together, and I didn't even hardly know the word lesson plan. It was just I'm going to teach this stuff, and I wanted to get music. Well, I didn't have all the music that I needed, so I would, you know, turn on my tape player and record something from the radio or I would go to the library and check out an album <laughs> and record the music from the album. We still on have music tape. on a cassette tape. We still have some of our music that the um this the uh, Dawn at New Hope and Dusk yeah. at New Hope. That was, you know, cricket sounds and bird sounds from the library. So I love, and I when we do our teacher workshops and we talk about how easy it is now, it's like, oh, you want a song about bears? Click songs about bears. And there are 300 of them where I had to you go, go to a sound warehouse and look through the stacks of kids song, kids tapes to try and find a song about bears if I wanted it. It's so different now. I love, I love technology. Yeah, I mean, it just it opens it up so much, just because it gives you so much more creative space. Is what because it, incre- it takes you know 
the work uh, time and the logistics of actually completing a task, well, that that is eliminated now. So, which leads hopefully leaves more time if you use it well. Yes. For for creativity. Yes. When I first created our um, pumpkin patch parade, uh, we had a, you know some songs about orange, and this wasn't even that long ago. I mean, let's say 10, 15 years ago. Songs about orange, songs the color orange, songs about pumpkins, just not very many, what I could find. And then I, I was like, oh, this many years ago, this lesson plan needs more. And I recreated it. And that was one of the first ones where I was like, oh, look. I just put in the word pumpkins and now there are 3,000 songs about pumpkins. And now we have this amazing lesson plan with so many different songs about pumpkins and so many things that you can do and very different than the first time it was created. Here's what I'm interested in is you have this whole crew of teachers, like a complete group of wackos. And <laughs> how do you spot a, a wacko when they're, when they, like when they show up for the interview, how do you know this is one of ours? Uh, like this is one of our, it takes a special person to do what we do. And that's we've what I'm learned saying. that this ain't it's for not, everybody. It's not, it's really not. So like well, if you what, have any sense of, yeah. Yes. Ego or like worried about what people think about you. Yeah. This ain't your gig. Well, really. and we have the the yeah. one through ten uh, comfort level comfort questions. level questions. You know, what's your comfort level with um, singing with children? What's your comfort level with singing with children with adults listening? And uh, they make people do puppet shows in the interview. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was the next thing I was going to say. We we invite them into um, our office. Uh, my, one of my parts of the interview is always the quote unquote creative part and um, we show them all of our bins and I say these represent like different worlds these puppets all come from different worlds choose three puppets that live in three different worlds and bring them into the office and they do that and then I say you have two minutes to create uh, uh, I mean you you're going to create a two minute play based on these three characters that you chose it has to have a beginning, middle, and end, and it starts now. And so it's then they look at me. Minutes. They look at me like, really? Oh, wow. Okay, you know. And some of some of the people, bam, they embrace it. They do, they do voices. They do narration. You know, there's lots of movement. And other people are like, I, I've I've had I think, in the whole time that we have interviewed people, there's only been two that. They start and they're like, I can't, I can't do it. They just bail out. They tap yeah. out. They don't even. I remember try. it's very intimidating. Like I, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty creative. I haven't degreed in teaching visual arts, and she said that I'm like, uh, <laughs> the bunny jumps through. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. And they and um, there's also a part of my part of the interview where the way we used to do it was I would say um, sing. Uh, a, 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 what was it? A like energetic, an, a song, right, an, an energetic song, energetic. an uplifting energetic song. Um, and then I would ask them to sing a calming song. Now I've changed it. They only have to sing one thing. And I have them use one of the puppets to sing to the other puppets. And that made all the difference in the world, just because that's one of our philosophies too, is uh, if, if, you know, you're having a hard time with something, talk to a puppet or the, a child will talk to a puppet before they'll talk to you usually. And so we, we have the interviewee 
with the puppet singing to the other puppets and they are more relaxed and, uh, you know, using a prop and not thinking about I'm sitting there listening to how they sing. And of course I don't care what they sound like. It's really just that they're doing it and they're having fun with it. And, um, and our most popular song that people sing is you are my sunshine right here. Uh-huh. And That's they've, what I they've ch- chosen that sometimes as an energetic song when we used to do energetic and calming, but um, there is a, a small percentage that just make up the song, which I love. I'm um, singing. I'm singing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Lauren, our, uh, I never told you this, Anissa or, or Julia, but our, our newest um, employee that's starting with us in a few weeks, um, in, during her interview, she created the song. And afterwards, I was like, I love it when people do that, you know, create it. And she's like, oh, I thought I had to. <laughs> I was like, Yay. Julia, did you, did you have to go through the song singing routine? Uh, no, I was ad- auditioning to be in the office. So <laughs> I do remember that they asked me what color I am and what animal I am. That That's my big memory from that mm-hmm. that, that one. Yeah. Do you, you remember know, what you were? Uh, yes, I was a lion and I was the color purple. <laughs> a purple lion. Indeed you are. Yes. <laughs> you know, even when I was doing my, my thing uh, with pals and have seniors and go to elementary schools, that was always part of, like, it was this crazy interview process. And because um, I didn't care, like, what grades they made or superstar athlete. What, I don't know. I just want somebody with a good heart, but also somebody with a good heart that could, um, you know, like, at that age when you're 17 – to be vulnerable enough to connect with a seven-year-old. Yeah. 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 And so like, that was always part of the deal. Like we're about to get on the floor and crawl around as animals. If this ain't for you, Mm -hmm. there's a door, man. That's that's one of the questions. How do you feel about crawling around on the floor Uh, dirty dirty floors? floors. Right. Like we're like, like we're going to still be down with each other in the hallway. Mm -hmm. So we friends. It just, this probably this ain't for you, man. Cause if Mm -hmm. this is uncomfortable, right. (laughs) (laughs) This is the tip of the iceberg, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so for you, do you think that that your interview process is, um, do you think it could be applicable to public schools? Because typically the public school interview process for elementary school teacher is like the across the desk, look at the resume, look at your experience, have a conversation, you're either in or you're out. I think it uh, should yeah. be I think it applicable. should be part of everybody's. <laughs> I mean, it's that uh, being authentic and being real are is, is a principal asking the teacher you know, how do you feel about snotty-nosed, stinky kids? That's not there, but that's exactly what's walking in the classroom. Like, they have to deal with kids puking on the floor or whatever it is, you know, the the dirty floors, and it's it's not as authentic as it could be. There are so many questions that we ask. Early on, when I created the interview, I never thought that such stories would come from the interviewees based on some of the questions like what you know what's the worst job you ever did and why did you do it or what was the best boss or the worst boss you ever had or you know what color are you today or you know the the animal one what animal that uh, we really learn a lot about a person they might say you know I'm a lap dog I like to (laughs) sit in people's laps or they're like a lion you know or uh just the the answers are just so amazing sometimes and we just learn so much so we do learn who is the, what did you say well wacko like us <laughs> yes we 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 do i mean a- after the interview um we'll get to anisa and um i will get together and uh we rate them on you know quality of all the things that they said and it's just 
very black and white. You can tell, yes, absolutely. Mm, probably not. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think I had a friend tell me, um, and I think it's true for education. He's in the business world, but he said, when you find the person, it's as if there's a neon sign above their head flashing with an arrow down. Mm-hmm. I'm the one. Mm-hmm. Where like, if you, right, kind of like the Blake mm-hmm. thing. I know. Right. It's, um. But like you said, like if you if you in a moment, man, I think man, I think she might be good. I I think I think you might. That's not the one. Mm-hmm. It's so obvious when they're there. We have gotten some of those where it's like mm, I th- I think so. Yeah, that that might work out. And then it never yeah. does. No. And then you know what I've always what's interesting for me in education is um, this is one of the only places where we have this weird interview process for taking a job where. There's no evidence, really true evidence, because people are amazing interviewers. Like some people really have mm-hmm. this thing down. And so, okay, so we, I'll tell you the whole thing. So we have this weird back and forth between there's a principal sitting there and they might have an amazing candidate. They don't know who this person is, but they might be amazing. So we have to present this job in such a way that they're going to want it. Then we have a candidate sitting across the desk. You know, they, they don't know if they want this school or not, but I got to present myself in such a way they really want me. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes what happens is people show up and they have this now, now, now they're engaged in this professional hiring relationship with a principal who really doesn't want that teacher and a teacher who doesn't really want that school or that principal. And they end up t- together. Wow. You know, and, and like, and I don't know how to fix it other than like, is there really, I mean, I know principals that do this, like they bring in teachers in to teach. Like if you want to come interview, come oh, spend, yeah. you're about to teach the whole day. I would show think up at that, seven oh, that's and you're about they to leave should at do that for everybody. We yeah. do that. We yeah. have, uh, we call it the audition for somebody to come into the classroom with us before they step foot in our office and to we interview. We don't ask them to, to teach, we ask them to assist and. Right be in the classroom with us. We don't just We've say, had people walk out, nope, not for me, thanks. Yeah. And also, this that. is an odd thing, but the traveling. I mean, we have to travel all over Houston all the time. And if you don't enjoy being stuck in traffic or if your your time, time management skills aren't great, you know, yeah. this might not be the job for you because you need to, you know, get to schools all over Houston all day long. Yeah. Of of all the things that you've done with Arts Alive, all of you, what would you say that you're most proud of? When you look back, I, I shouldn't say that because it limits it. One of the things you're most proud of. Anissa? <laughs> I might cry. Here we go. Seeing one of my students from a preschool in the elementary school. This is a... I, I have a soft spot in my heart for those boys that are the quote-unquote bad kids that come into my classroom and they're like, all the other kids are telling me they're bad. And it's like, no, that's not the way it is. And I just let them explore their own way. And I walked into my kids' uh, elementary school and it was ice cream social night. And this boy sees me from probably 50 feet away. He had no idea that I went there, that my kids went there, Arts Alive is here, but he didn't see me as a mom. He saw me as Arts Alive because I was also manning the table for the Arts Alive after school program. He saw me and jumped out of his mom's arm. He was coming into kindergarten, ran as fast as he could and just jumped on me and monkey hugged me. And I, (laughs) I, I love the monkey hug. And he was just so excited to know that I, there were boots on the ground at that school that are going to let him be who he wants to be. 
at some point. It was just such a magical moment. Because he was coming from a preschool where mm-hmm. we taught. A, yes, not that I so had. So he was understanding that I've had Arts Alive in the past at this other place, and now I'm seeing, quote unquote, Arts Alive. Yes. They call us Arts Alive sometimes, That's you know, name. not just our names. Yeah. Um, and he was excited that he was going to be able yeah. to experience it again. He, he didn't sign up for my Arts Alive class, but it was just like he was so excited. He was nervous to be there because he's told he's the bad kid. You know, he's the one that doesn't want to – he wants to go outside of the box. If we're doing this, he wants to do this. I'm like, show me how to do this over here. Tell me what you're doing. And I gave him that moment to be successful, and that happens a lot with – the boys I come into contact with, I'll walk into the school and it's like, I got you. You're mine. <laughs> yeah. i to make you my project. Yes. Yeah. They are my project. Um, I have two. One is that uh, I'm most proud that I've created a company. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm crying. Uh, I created a company where I have amazing people that have stayed with me for over 20 years. We're, this year, we're celebrating our fourth person's 20-year anniversary. So there's five of us that have been around, you know, since the yeah. first five years. Um, and and people beyond that, uh, you know, we have, you know, somebody that's about to go on 10 years. And uh, <laughs> even the people that um, I, we just posted on uh, Teacher Appreciation, one of our, our posts uh, during Teacher Appreciation Week was all about um, many, many, I think maybe about 15 um, uh, former employees and what they're doing now. And they all said such wonderful things about, you know, I learned so much during my time there. So there's that. And then Julia, you go next and I'll compose myself and say the other thing. (laughs) Sure. Um, So I started out uh, just uh, as an arts uh, or or as the um, administrative assistant. Mm -hmm. And um, I was watching and listening. And I remember asking Tina early on, like, what are your biggest hopes and dreams for this company? And um, one of the things that she said was that she wanted to get Arts Alive to the whole world. So um, that became a very exciting uh, thought for me. And especially looking at the curriculum that Tina has made, it's beautiful. Everything is perfect. And, um, and it reaches this small group in Houston and, um, it could reach so many more people. It's, it's already, um, to be helpful to so many people. So, uh, we started, uh, doing professional development workshops online, um, in the past year and people from all over the world have, have gotten teachers from all over the world have gotten to take some of these classes. So it's, it's begun. And I think that there is tons of possibility for, for Arts Alive to go even further. And if, and if I helped make any sort of headway in that direction. I feel so happy and grateful to, uh, to help Tina with her passion. Thank you. Well, my other one, um, is not a specific, um, pride moment, but it is whenever I see a student in one of my classes 
do something where they're using things that I taught them and they are creating with that or they are making something up that they think that they're making up from scratch, but I know it's because they've taken different pieces of what I've taught them. And I love, I just love seeing creativity in, in children and, and teachers. Yeah. And isn't it interesting how like as, as educators, it's like oftentimes the tiniest thing is really Ugh. the, 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 it speaks the most about mm -hmm. what you've done or created or help kids with, or, you know, for me it was, I was in the airport in uh, Minnesota Minneapolis, St. Paul. And I hear this, hey, hey. And I'm looking back. I see this dude with a beard. <laughs> and, you know, the, when there's uh, he's a, some sort of, I don't know what he does, but a lot of these dudes travel with a hard hat. And um, I don't know, they, they're like construction workers, maybe an oil guy or inspector. And, you know, they have nice jeans and steel toe boots and a hard hat on the plane. And anyway, so um, it's got... They're it's wearing the, the hard hat? No, they're carrying oh. it. Ready for anything. I guess. I don't know. Or they going to the site. And um, so he's got the hard hat. And um, he's, yeah, hey, and I'm trying to figure out, is he talking to me? And um, and he comes up to me and goes, hey, you're, you're the pal guy, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, I did pals. And, you know, it was the mentoring program. And he goes, yeah, I was in uh, whatever, fourth grade or something. <gasps> and I had a pal. I said, oh, that's awesome, man. And we chatted about it. And I said, well, I'm, you know, what do you remember? And he's just going on. And I, mean, well, I remember we did this and we did that. And he's like listing like week by week all the activities. And I said, do you, you guys keep in touch? He goes, yeah, on Facebook, you know, we keep in touch. I said, do you remember your pal? Like, do you remember him? He goes, remember him? Yeah. And he pulls his keys out. And on his keychain, he has, you remember Shrinky Dinks? Yeah. Mm hmm we didn't even do this as a class. His pal took it upon himself, and he took a picture of them together and did a shrinky dink keychain. <laughs> and it's him and his pal holding a holding this little pally trophy. Aww. And, yeah, and um, because what we would do is we we give the kids trophies because a lot of these kids were not in soccer, not in little league, they weren't in anything. And and we thought, well, let's let's give him a trophy for being a pal, man. It's like the only trophy they'll ever get. Mm -hmm. And so he still he still. I mean, here he is. What is he in the twenty eight or thirty? I don't even know. He's still carrying around his pal keychain. His pal shrinky dink. Yeah, that's so. Great. This had nothing to do with me. All I did was facilitate the class, right. and and I didn't. Uh, you know, I I picked the the pal. I didn't pick the the little kid. Those counselors did that. I just created an environment for them for the pal to do their thing. But man, what it like? This kid's still talking about it. Well, it had a it. little bit to do with you. I don't think so. <laughs> I picked a good one. That's all I know. I did, you know, and I don't always pick those, but that was a good one I picked. Yeah. Yeah, it's those tiny things that just when and uh, when you said tiny things, I mean, there's so many times when there's two of us in a classroom, or there we're in a classroom where there's another teacher, and something happens where it's so small. Like a, a child picking up uh, an instrument for the first time when they, you know, two weeks, three weeks went by and they just wanted to watch or you know, they get up for they they participate for the first time. Maybe they were just like wanting to watch for a few weeks or maybe they have uh, I have a, um, a little girl at one of my schools that um uh, if there's a lot of sensory stuff going on, she backs off and goes to the side of the wall and just wants to watch. And I just remember the first time that she participated that she was like, 
I'm going to get out there. And, you know, she, she would participate when there wasn't a lot of stuff going on, but, you know, as soon as we were moving all around and there, I mean, quote unquote chaos, um, she was not wanting any part of that. And just to see her, I've been teaching her now for a while. This is one of my kids that, um, I teach at a, a, a school where I get to see them from go from five and six year olds to almost 12 year olds. So I get to see them every year. So I've had her for a long time and just to see the, the progress in, uh, in, in what she's, how she is now compared to those, the first year really. You know, it's, um, yeah. What, what I love about it is the trajectory because like you can't, that's what people I don't think can see it unless they do this kind of work, that there's this tiny shift in the trajectory. Like, here's the kid who's going to participate for the first time. Okay. If, if you're not in this work, you think, okay, cool, whatever. No, man, not cool, whatever. Because this kid has now shifted the tra trajectory in just a slightly way. It's almost noticeable, but the, the kid over the course of decades is going to end up in a whole different universe mm -hmm. because of that tiny little thing. Mm -hmm. I was talking about having another teacher in the classroom. And what I meant by that was that, you know, we'll just like touch it. We'll know, you know, you'll just, you'll, you, you both, you both will see it happen. And then if it's Anissa and myself will cry <laughs> <laughs> or if there's a classroom teacher and I just might go over there and say something like, did you notice so-and-so? And they're like, yes. And I love it too. When, so many times a teacher, a classroom teacher is getting to see their student be in our class and they see things that they never see in their classroom. Um, they, they can see their, uh, a child being a leader when they don't ever see that in their classroom for, you know, whatever reason they can see a, a child, you know, moving about and, and being in control of their body when they don't see that in their classroom. So there's so many things with us. One of the most magical things I think about Arts Alive and is that we give opportunities for those kids to participate when they normally wouldn't. They know that we have an environment, <clears throat> excuse me, that I'm not going to tell them no. If you're not doing what we're doing, just you have the opportunity to say, hey, can we try this? Oh my God, that's a great idea. Instead of the immediate shutdown or let's go this way instead of that. And okay, I'll follow you for this, this song. And we have this culture and environment that embraces thinking outside of the box. And it's like the, the kid that may never have participated. Like you said, there's, there's a little shift. She may have stayed on the wall her entire life and, or the one kid that's the bad kid would have been sitting over to the side and you know, next thing you know, he's in high school being the bad kid there. And that's just a whole different thing than being sat in timeout for three minutes in pre-K. Yeah. Um, that reminded me when you said about, uh, what our big philosophy at Arts Alive, our main philosophy is go with the flow and keep the flow going. And so um, at Gonzalez Daycare the other day, I was teaching our music class folk festival fun, fun at the folk festival. And we were using sticks that have the little ridges on them. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were pretending they were, um, guitars and banjos and I was showing them how to strum and pluck. And I had the picture of the, um, the fiddle. So we were putting one underneath our chin and fiddling with the other one. And one of the kids put it 
upright uh, so that, um, how would you say it's the one, the, the stick end was on the floor and held the stick. And with the other one <laughs> was, um, fiddling yeah. like a bass, like a bass, cello like style. a cello yeah. style. Yo, yo, ma style. And yes. And I had the picture of that and I was like, Oh, look what so-and-so just did. I mean, I hadn't thought of that one. And so then I incorporated into all the other classes when they came and we did the, the cello style one, the big bass. And I showed the picture and we, we did it that way. And I, that's, also, one of my favorite things is getting ideas from kids. My elephant sound is from a child. Shall I make my elephant sound? Please do. Yes, here we go. It's powerful. Nice. And whenever I make my elephant sound, I always tell the kids that was at St. Mark's, one of my very first years. I can see the little girl in my mind, and she made that sound in my classroom when we were being elephants, and I was like, teach me how to do that. And, <laughs> and I still do it. I've yeah. learned from Tina. Mm-hmm. My how kids ask me, elephants? how did you learn that? And I said, Tina. And I say, and I learned it from a four-year-old. You know what it is? It's really um, that whole Arts Alive's thing is helping – helping to condition kids emotionally for success, for fun, like for connecting in their minds and their hearts and their body, that learning can be fun and maybe even should be fun. It should Absolutely. be. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my daughter expects it and is, that's dangerous. Yes. She is very disappointed. And how old when is she, she now? She's 14 and she, but she can identify now a teacher that she likes and a teacher that is not her style. Yeah. And she's learning how to deal with those things. But she's like, can't you guys just go tell everybody how to do it? <laughs> like, if yes, we, we could, want to. we would. You know, we try. She expects there's a there's an expectation. And when she finds that person, she it's she has a interesting way of connecting with them that, is, you know, I don't know that she would have learned that if she hadn't come up sent, through the know, womb, through the womb in utero doing Arts Alive yeah. all the way. And also on the kids' side, you know, for a lot of your kids, it's the, it might be one of their first times in a long time that they have felt successful. And, yeah. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, and and even with with my experience with um, I, um, I've taught I have very limited, just a couple of years experience teaching really young kids, but I have lots of experience facilitating mentorship through seniors in high schools and little kids. And I can remember like the principal bringing in teachers to watch these kids. When, when we show up for a school with 17-year-old mentors, they ain't giving us the good kids. <laughs> you know? When teachers get to choose who they want out of the class and who's going to, you know, once a week, the same kid once a week for a whole school year, they're giving us the kid they want out of the class once a week right. for the whole school year. And so when – but so we would have 30 of these kids, the most challenging personalities in the school – and these kids would be engaged, but and they would. I get it. Like, yes, every kid has their own individual person giving them attention. Yes, we've rehearsed this lesson back at my for two days before we bring it. There's a lot that goes into these 45 minutes, but at the same time, now this kid knows that they can be successful, and when they go back to your classroom, they have a sense of this is possible for me. And when teachers come see it, they can see the kid be mm-hmm. like, okay, now, yeah, it is possible for him to sit down and Is this be the attention. same kid that I sent? Yeah. 
uh, when you did pals, um, did was it always one on one or there were you did groups? So we would start out um, um, in the very beginning for probably the first four weeks in group activities, but their pal would be right next to them. We assign pals mm-hmm. and pally. We we'd pair them up, and then about the fourth to fifth week, we would do a group. We show up, we come off the bus, we do a group activity, get everybody fired up, and we that was so scripted and so planned out. We knew who would win and who would lose, and if it's a kind of a competitive thing. And how to process this, and and then we'd break up an individual, and then at, by the end we we had more one on one stuff, and then like a group thing at the end is to process and go back to class. Such a cool program. Ugh, it's amazing. It's it's a life changer. Does every school do it? No, no. Does it still happen? Yeah, it's it's huge now. It's like a. A nationwide thing, right? I don't know. I know it's big in certain districts in Texas. I don't know about nationwide. And it stands for something, right? Peer Assistance and Leadership. <laughs> <laughs> we never figured out the, the S. S. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Peer Assistance and Leadership. <laughs> <laughs> Collective. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, a, yeah, it's it's one of those things where... Um, you know, you give a kid, hey man, here's here's your, you get one assignment your senior year in this class. Go change that kid's life. Mm. There you go. We we get about 36 visits. <laughs> you better start mm-hmm. the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Because you know what it is, um, here's here's the here's what's powerful about it, just like your teachers. Because essentially, this is what these teenagers are, they're, these kids' teachers, is at the very end, they have this realization where... How much their life has changed as a person, as a 17, They didn't kid. realize their life was going to change. And they, and they get the secret. Mm-hmm. At 18 years old, they've now learned the secret. In order to have whatever I want in my life, and in order for me to be whoever I want to be, all I have to do is give that to somebody else. If I want to be courageous, I have to encourage enough people in my life, and then I become courageous. Because all that they give to that kid all year long, that's who they become. That's, a, that's an amazing lesson for yeah. a teenager. For anybody. Yeah. I see that in, in our classrooms. You know, the we might go into a school that the culture of the school is kind of like sullen or, you know, everybody's just mad and that just, you know, checklisting all of the lessons they have to do. And we get the kids in our class and you can feel it. They're sassy or rude to each other and they come into our classroom and no, that's that's not how we do things here. And it's a we, we go in once a week, so... As soon as they walk in, it's like they they feel that energy. Yeah, and we don't have to do that here. I I can be nice to my uh, friends and move around and be, be kind, an elephant be kind, and be kind and joyful. And, yeah, I've had some kids like the the quote unquote bad kid tried to sass me and and everybody like looks. What's she gonna do? Like, I hear your words. And I, you know, it's like, I don't have to listen to him. He's obviously seeking that negative attention because that's how he gets attention. And I just ignore it and move on. And next thing that he does that I can praise him for doing something. Oh, look at, look at him go. It's like, what yeah. just happened? I don't have to be rude or whatever. I can actually be successful. To get attention. Yeah. Hey, d- describe the difference for me, because you guys are on so many campuses, and if you think about the totality, the number of campuses you've been on from you know, libraries and daycares and schools over the years. Thousands. Yeah, thousands. Describe to me the differences in school culture from one from the extremes end of the spectrum, where, you know, um, positive and negative. What, like, how would you describe those? 
You can feel it when you walk in the door. Like immediately for most schools, it's, you know, we go to, you know, neighborhood home base. Like it's just, you know, some somebody started a preschool 30 years ago in the Heights or, you know, out in Sugarland where it's it is a kids are kids or, you know, one of the primrose schools or things like that. They're more of a Chains. chain mm-hmm. uh, ISD schools. So they're they're also different. But you can absolutely feel it when you walk in, just the, the way the teachers are, the, the language they use. We always say we have yep. a language at Arts Alive. And I love getting into a school that speaks our language. Kindness yeah. and acceptance. And we're, we're here for the kids. It's I'm not checklisting my lesson. I'm not waiting for them to go out for lunch so I can have my five minutes where I don't have to look at them anymore and... It also, uh, when I go onto a, a mm-hmm. campus, um, the feel, the, not just the, the energy, but also things that I see, like the, uh, I'll, we'll go into schools and there are, the pictures of the families are up and the pictures of the teachers are up and you can see that it's, it's child centered. Things are down low, you know, for the kids and, and, uh, pictures and things to do and, it's not all, you know, at a adult's level and, it, you know, just for the parents coming in to look at something. And seeing art um, is always a big one. Not that we ever um, sit down and teach, even though our name is Arts Alive, we don't do visual art. But I love seeing art projects when I'm walking down a hall and sometimes they are just so out of the box and creative and you can just see that they're getting their the children are getting their creativity nurtured as opposed to um more you know think in the box and draw in the box and do this like this um kind of schools so i i i there's the energy that i feel through the children through the teachers and also what i see and we've been here 25 years and we have a good amount of clients that have been with us the entire time we are an integral part of their school, and it is because we speak the same language. They appreciate what we bring. We appreciate what they're doing when we're not there. And, you know, over the years, we've we've seen different clients come and go, and sometimes it's not a good fit that we don't really want the the dancing and the moving and the they can go to gym class and we got it covered. they're saying that? Mm-hmm. They're like saying clients that... that, that don't necessarily we have you know, a like our flavor or want a creative movement class or even school. a client that's not a client yet and they're like well we have somebody at our school that does that does does what no, you, you do and we're no, like you don't. no you don't <laughs> <laughs> that's all we can say no you don't throw some poly spots down on the floor jump right <laughs> we got it covered yeah. mm, okay. and we're done yeah yeah <laughs> now we play music during gym class it's good yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And for um, here's a, for you, in your mind, now that you guys have been doing it for so long, for those um, kids, like right now, are graduated from college. They just did a student teaching this semester. You know, because you're right. I mean, like, there's a lot of kids that get heartbroken. And... Yeah. Um, what are you... I'm, I'm not following you. I'm sorry. I'll get to it. Just okay. relax. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Anissa, when you showed up in a classroom, you were you're heartbroken just simply because it, just, it didn't feel like it was the right fit for you. And yeah. you were right; it, that school and that yeah. at that time in your life was not the right fit. 
if you could give advice, like there's so much that what maybe just something that you would hope a new teacher would remember. Joy. It's, it's our anchor word and it's be, we decided on it because that's what we all feel when we walk into a classroom. I remember, like I said, I remember what I was wearing when I met Tina. I remember the exact location. I remember walking in the door and my mouth just dropped open, but smiling like for, I don't know how long I was there, maybe an hour, hour and a half, just ear to ear smile. Like I you could were there not for three hours. I was there for uh, three it was hours. Becker. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that I came the whole time. Yep, I thought I did. came for segment. I could not believe it. I could not believe this was happening. I could not believe I didn't know about it. I was just flabbergasted and so excited that I'm about to be a part of this. And it just, it felt right. Like just that feeling of joy. Like I don't want to go in and like, ugh, like feel like that every day. And that's how I felt at my other school, just dread. I know those are like, it's so black and white. Like if you can get out of the gray, and, you know, take your blinders off. Like, oh, if I just, I'm going to get my job. That's when I was going to school, I didn't want to just get my teaching certificate because it was easy. And I had thought about it when I was 10. It's like, oh, I need to be called to it. And I was called to it. And I think a lot of people go into it. Oh, I get summers off. I'll get, you know, I, I'll get insurance. I'll, you know, I'll make my way and just, you know, plow through and just keep my head down and do it. It's not what it's about. If you could go back, or I shouldn't say if you had to go back. Same school, same classroom, same supplies, mm. same kids. At this point oh in your life, God. I think about that all the time. Could like, you? Could yes. You. I could walk into any classroom. I am like a hundred percent confident. Any classroom, any content, and knock it out of the park. Yeah. I don't care what age they were. I ha- I feel like I've had so much experience doing what we do with the the philosophy of creating success for the kids. It's not about me. It's not about math. It's not about social studies or history. What am I going to do for the kids in that classroom on that day? Because there's going to be different kids every time they come through. This class is different than this class, than that. Even if they're all 12, every single classroom is going to be a little different. But I've, I could walk into any classroom and knock it out. Let me ask you this, because you guys are probably the perfect uh, people to ask. Is um, I've been telling people this for years, and now that, now that I'm sitting here with you, I'm not, I'm not even sure it's true, but you tell me if this is true. <laughs> Is um, I really believe that if you if you have the skills and the experience and and especially the experience, I really I don't care who the principal is. I don't care the school. I don't care the kids. I don't care the community, the resources, the funding. None of that matters. While you have those kids in your room, you really can create an amazing experience when they walk into your room. That can be a different place and a different family than anything else they're experiencing. You can create whatever you want. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Hundred and ten. Yeah. Because for you, that's what that's really what you do. You show yeah. up on a you show up on a school, a campus, a daycare, a library, whatever. Where, where the mm-hmm. it's a different place, yeah. and every school has a different culture, and you have to create what you do within minutes with a whole new group of kids. Absolutely, and yeah. they know it when they walk in. I mean, kids that we don't see, and we're going in for like a special in-house field trip. It's just magic, like from start to finish and they just can't, they they have that feeling of joy that I had when I first met Tina like oh my god I can't believe this is happening we're going to the jungle and they are <laughs> lions and they believe it and it's just amazing but the kids that we see on a weekly basis 
it's just a whole different level of joy. We walk in there and it's like, Art's Alive is here. I want to scream, but they scream. We are rock stars when we walk in. They scream, Art's Alive is here no matter how many times I walk through that door. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, I get to be me. Yeah. Or anybody else. And they know they can come in and just be with us and have that moment of magic and joy and acceptance and creativity. It's magical. Magic, joy, acceptance, and creativity. That's a big day for a kid. <laughs> that about covers it. Yep. Tina, for you, first year teacher. Let's say let's say it's a traditional teacher. They just they just student taught. They stuck him with a usually the oldest teacher on campus because they have the most experience. I'm not saying they're the best, but they've learned all that. And so, which is really interesting. They really haven't had a chance to observe tons of teachers. So they kind of know one thing that's happening in class. All that stuff they learn in theory, like theoretical stuff they learn in college doesn't make, that's not going to do anything. (laughs) So they figured that part out and they're about to walk into their first job at a school they've never been to before, probably. And they took the job because somebody said, do you want it? So they said, yeah. If, If you could give them anything, what would it be? I'm going back to the joy thing. Uh, do what, what, whatever makes you feel joy and happy and you think is fun, start there. Because if you have it inside you, no matter what it is, it's contagious. And then you can do the, um, I always say there needs to be a, a word for the opposite of a, a vicious circle. We call it a lovely circle. So you have the joy uh, and and are having fun, and then you're giving it to them. You're going to get it back. You're going to feel it more, and it's just that lovely circle. And no matter what it is that you're teaching or having to teach, uh, find what brings you joy about that particular thing and and go for it. What do you think, Julia? Um, I will uh, just chime in on that with saying that um, I think that a lot of people in this this line of work praise uh, self-sacrifice or think that sacrificing yourself, your time, your your wellness somehow helps people. Um, But that is a total lie. (laughs) Uh, I I would encourage teachers to take care of themselves, and yes, part of that is is making the teaching something that feels really good for them, um, as as well as honoring the joy that's in their in their students. Um, and and don't don't let it kill you. If 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 the structure of a school isn't working for you, do what Anissa did. Find some, find a way to help kids that that feels good to you. Um, make a new business business if it feels good to you. Coach teachers if it feels good to you. Um, and hopefully the structure will begin to change so that so that people who who don't thrive in, in it will be able to continue giving their gifts to more students. But yeah, don't, don't sacrifice yourself. Take and don't care feel of stuck. And mm. don't feel stuck. Yes, find a way to love yourself and love what you're doing and, and teach change your kids if, to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, change. I think so many people, not just teacher, any you know, people in general, just get stuck at what they're doing, a marriage, a job, where they live and they don't think out of the box. They don't think why, you know, why can't, why can't I do something else? 
and if teach if you're there and you're a teacher and you're not feeling it, then maybe you shouldn't be a teacher. No, I I I think that like that's a that you know what that is. I just told a kid this. Uh, I'm gonna tell you this real quick. So I I I told this kid. I met this kid. He's a trainer and um, a physical trainer. Yeah, right. Like in the gym. And we were talking, and he asked me what I do, and I told him I was wearing my Teach Go Rockstar hoodie, and he goes, "Oh my gosh!" And he starts, "Well, I was a teacher." So I was telling me his experience teaching, and he goes, "I, I guess I feel so bad telling you this because now I'm all excited about teaching from listening to you talk about it." He goes, "But I left. I left halfway. I taught a year and a half, and in December I left. I left the. I just could not do it. It wasn't for me." And then I said, "And he he knows for sure that teaching kids is not for him." I said, brother, you are my second favorite kind of teacher. Like my first favorite is those teachers that find it, they're passionate, they love it, and this is for them for the rest of their life, and they're all in. My second, like just barely below that, I mean, it's really close. There's almost tied, is that person who knows for sure this isn't for me. And, and I said, by the way, you're still, you're still a teacher. Yes, absolutely. You're, you're, you're just not teaching kids. Right. You're still teaching. And he's like, that never occurred. He's like, oh. he's welling up with tears. And ah. he goes, I never even thought about that. I said, That's you're still awesome. teaching. You're 100% just, teacher. You, you, you just found yourself, your students. These, yeah. these are your students now. I can't believe he never thought of that. Not even a little. He said, not even got close to thinking that. Wow. He just felt like a failure teacher. Aww. Wow. And it, now he knows he's not. He's a teacher. Yeah. He thought like in his mind, he's settling for this because he failed at that. Mm-hmm. No, brother. <laughs> it's not wow. it at all. Yeah. That self-awareness is absolutely critical to the point like, you know, I just, I have the wrong kids. I have the wrong school. Like we talked about earlier, I just really wish there was more time in being accepting of that, that, you know, that's okay. I'll add uh, one little story. I, I went to art school and there was a moment in which I was like, oh, this, my art is too like, adult and wild. If I do this, I'll, I'll never be able to be a teacher because it'll all get fired if they ever like Google me. Um, (laughs) and, and, but I was like, I got to do this art thing. I love it. So I just did it. And, um, and, and then I, I decided later to actually go in and teach at a school. And, um, I I was like, you know what? I'm going to just do this and then if if anyone does google me, I'll just be really, you know, powerful in who I am and and deal with whatever comes up. Um and fortunately they never did google me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, ended up working oh, that you for, know about. Yeah, it didn't they didn't fire me over it. Um if <laughs> they did. But but then I started working for Tina who um loves and appreciates all my wild interesting weird art and i'm and it's able to coexist and just the other day someone someone was like oh you work in children's education and you also uh run a performance art festival that's what i also do and um and they were like you must have to like really hide yourself at work and i was like no way um you know my boss has been herself forever she's not afraid at all of of being herself and so i think that's another wonderful example of like don't sacrifice yourself don't think you have to hide yourself don't not go to art school because you want to be a teacher um you know be it bring it let's fight the fights if 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 people get mad um and and change it how many thousands of people right now going to the show notes trying to find joy's lesson <laughs> Yeah. That's well, great. Yeah. 
Hey man, listen, I can't um I can't thank you enough for all you guys do for kids and teachers and schools and on a selfish note, um all that you've given to my kids and my family. I mean, I don't think it's any kind of coincidence that, you know, both my kids um attend the high school for performing and visual arts and you know, Lily graduating this year as an actor. Oh. And Joan's going in next year, um also in theater, probably more behind the scenes stuff and doing tech and building stuff and and uh, making that thing happen but um what the, the value that you bring to the planet is just immense and um Thank man you. i just have so much gratitude for all that you do and and more importantly who you are and right Thank back you. at you same uh, to you the value that you bring. every time i listen to one of your podcasts i get so jazzed i'm like that's exactly what i need to go out and do I was going to go buy a franchise the other day. <laughs> like, okay, I already hey, hey, have hey. a job. I know, I already have a job. Right. But I, I appreciate what you're, what you're doing, getting all the teachers out there jazzed up, just being who we are. Yeah. I love uh, it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, if you would like to be in our online community on Facebook, uh, it is the Arts Alive community of educators, and you can get there by going to our website at www.artsaliveinc.com and clicking on the resource page or the little community uh, sign on top. And if you join that community, ask any questions about teaching at all, any ages, we are all in there and happy to have any sort of discussions. Um, also, uh, if you're in the Houston area, we teach uh, amazing classes. I'll let Anissa explain the classes that we teach and how to get in touch with us about more information. We teach at uh, schools all over Houston, preschools, day schools, elementary schools, creative movement, yoga, music. We also do in-house field trips, creative professional movement. development. We're here for, you know, everybody. We've done this Whoever for so long. Whoever wants us. Yeah, we've, we've done this for so long, and we everybody just has different needs. So no matter what your needs are, just give us a call. and We also have a new free morning ritual that you can ah, do with yes, all of your, your yes. kids. Uh, you can download it at our website uh, on the resource page as well. We just put it up. It's really exciting. It's a little uh, ritual that you can do every morning to get your classroom ready for a great day. And at home really or in the class with lots of room for creativity. Yeah. yeah. Good times. Artsaliveinc.com. <laughs> That's why we hired Julia. One of the reasons she's good at making us remember to share information. I can't tell you, and that's the truth, like, because this is your thing, this is what you do. I can't tell you how many times I've left a gig or a school with like, or like a thousand teachers in the audience. I didn't take a single picture. Not one. Like, I didn't even talk. I didn't, I didn't tell anybody I was there. You know, I just, it does not ever occur to me until yeah. a week later. Oh, I should probably have done something about that in terms of social Did media. I have business cards or right. something? Yeah. <laughs> I got a ton. They're packed up in there. <laughs> I tell you the last yeah. time I got them out. Um, can I uh, give a shout out to Anissa, who was That's me. Um, yeah integral integral in uh, yeah. creating a product that we are about to launch called Teaching Out of the Box. You want to tell us just a little bit about it since you created it? Sure. Um, we created a workshop not long ago called Teaching Out of the Box, where we're doing our best to teach teachers how to think creatively and that morphed into what is something we could package and give to a school or to a teacher. And so I wrote a book of it, it. Thank you. 
about three different themes of how to use our streamers. Uh, streamers are, it's surveyor's tape. We buy it by the roll. We cut them up. You get a hundred streamers. Yeah, well, you get a hundred streamers. And we use them in and the classroom book. for, you know, rainbows, uh, rain, spider webs, all these lassos. lassos. So I put it all into a book with uh, three different themes. Uh, Rodeo, oceans, and, and yeah. spiders. Mm -hmm. So, Where can I buy it? On our resource page, www.artsaliveinc.com, <laughs> there's a resource page, and it's called the Teacher Toolkit. It was the best way we could communicate it. If you're familiar with Arts Alive and you've seen us do it. But you it, don't it, have to have seen Right, us right. It. So you might know what that what our streamers are. But if you haven't done it, it's easy to pick up. I The instruction manual is very detailed. It's got And eight, beautiful. Thank you. It has age levels, uh, how many streamers, just step-by-step really really easy to use awesome. yeah and you can get the music anywhere of course now we yeah. know <laughs> there's this thing called google and you just type and itunes in, yeah. Yeah, itunes i've heard of it yeah mm -hmm. yeah all right julia what else anything did you, did you yeah. plug everything yeah julia anisa oh we're always looking for new wackos I'll tell yeah. you what, if you... www.wacko.com, hashtag wackos. For those teachers that I've talked to, <laughs> when you're sitting in the sitting there, you're sitting in the teacher workroom, and you're looking around, and you're thinking, is there something wrong with me? You probably need to come interview. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you feel like you're the wacko, and you get it and no one else does, you just might be the right fit. Always looking for more. Yeah. Always. Arts Alive, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Hal. We All love right. you, Hal. Love you. Bye-bye. Love you. Bye.